Hello and welcome to Vet Chloe on the Road. Insights from real people making positive change for our planet. I am Chloe, a veterinarian who has an interest in wildlife and all things environmental. And this is a show for people who would like to connect, learn, and prioritize caring for our beautiful green and blue world. Come join me as I travel around Australia in my van, Layla. Let's share all things conservation and meet all the inspiring environmental heroes along the way. Hi guys, welcome back to season two of Vet Chloe on the Road. Happy, happy new year. I hope you've all had a fabulous start to 2019. I hope it brings you all the good stuff in life. Also a big happy Australia Day. Today's welcome back episode seems appropriate to be on Australia Day as I wrap up on some of my amazing things I've experienced and learnt about the natural world and I've travelled from Perth in Western Australia to now Port Lincoln in South Australia. It was about 3,300 k's or 2,050 miles of travel to get from there <clears throat> to now here. So I last left off in mid-October when I had reached Perth and I was in Perth for a couple months of veterinary work and I was very glad for it. It was great to get back and stuck into the veterinary work. And if you follow my Instagram, which is at VetChloe, you would know. Uh, also, you should follow so you can see photos and images of all the things that I'll be mentioning. But um, maybe a quarter of my uh, work of pay went to the mechanic uh, because, as you may know, after driving all the way around from Sydney, tens of thousands of kilometers and three months, I was only 200 k's or two hours away from Perth when I slammed into a pinnacle. Um, yeah, thought I should mention it. I'm now on the good side, everything being all fixed up. But hey, travel comes with highs and lows. This was a bit of a low. A pinnacle is an ancient rock formation and it's a weathered sand dune structure in the Nanbung National Park, which I did mention. And it's such a bizarre um, landscape. I mentioned at the end of last season, it's yellow sand, no trees or plants, but just these yellow pinnacle structures, all shapes and sizes. I guess briefly what happened was I was um, in the desert park and saw someone taking a photo on their roof. So thought it'd be a good idea to pull over, do the same, jumped up, took a photo. It wasn't really that good. Um, jumped back down into the driver's seat. Um, I was kind of eating an apple at the time and I pulled out, door swung out and I went to grab it and went to hit the brakes as a pinnacle was just in front of me. It was all kind of tight and I hit the gas. So ram and I had to go limping out of the desert park, which felt like ages, um, holding onto the door. Bumper was coming off. Uh, luckily, nothing too major. Just the air filter was crushed and she looked a little bit sorry for herself for a while and um, had to kind of hinge the door back on. But, um, you know, just thought I'll share with you guys just the reality of it all, um, of a road trip. Um, otherwise, she's done so well. And in the words of Andrew Eucles, he was in my episode number 12. Actually, my adventurous time with him has been my favorite time of the whole lap around Oz. So check out my um, episode with him. Also, his Instagram and his YouTube, Andrew Eucles. Surname is spelt like uncles, but without an N. But anyway, as he said in a message to me, and I quote, you hit a historic monument that is classic. It's the equivalent of reversing into Uluru. 
So there you have it, um, the highs and lows. Um, once in Perth, I was busy, 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 busy. I worked at 10 different veterinary clinics under the Vet West Veterinary Group, and they uh, operate in the central and outer Perth region. So I did surgery and consults, and I saw a whole bunch of different cases, worked with a lot of great people, and I keep meeting a lot of lovely people in the veterinary industry. I just love them. Such kind, smart, hardworking people. Also very female-focused. We definitely, definitely dominate, so it's very empowering too. And at this stage of my veterinary career, I um, would say I know hundreds of vets and vet nurses. Um, that's also what I love about locuming. You meet so many people, um, and I always enjoy that. Um, also worth mentioning, it's not quite Australia based, but I did a cheeky trip to Bali. I loved it. So exotic over there. You might as well if you're in Perth. It's only a three hour, 40 minute flight away. It's actually in the same time zone as Perth, and that's different to Sydney. Um, went back for a couple of weddings to Sydney and out of interest, comparing it to Bali, to get to Sydney, Perth to Sydney, it's a four hour, 15 minute flight. It's actually a bit longer going Sydney to Perth with the headwind. Um, that's more like five hours. And Bali, how would I describe it? Well, it's bustling. The people are smiley and happy. There's amazing surf waves. That's why I went. There's lots of wandering dogs, but they're all owned. It is Hindu, so it's very accepting of the Western ways, and that's helped them uh, do well in globalization times. Uh, one of the local cab drivers who I became friends with explained how, unlike the rest of Indonesia, which is Muslim, and visitors from the other parts of Indonesia often want to go to the beach and see the Westerners there. In Bali, it really does not matter. They're not phased by uh, people out there in bikinis. And he says it's because the external world is not what's important in their philosophy of life. It's all in the mind. That is what is important. And they live a very Buddhist way of life um, with their Hindu background. So it's a really interesting place culturally as well. And it's fascinating to know how they live. He was saying how the school kids, bit of a tangent here, but all of interest. Um, the school kids of Bali start school very early, maybe 6, 6.30. They all have school uniforms and they go to school that early because they all have duties in the school before school starts, such as cleaning, taking care of the grounds. And this is all to give them a sense of pride and discipline in their school. The school uh, ends early, around midday, and they do not have much homework, so they can just go out and be kids, enjoy themselves. He was saying how many of them learn English very well from the Western visitors by going into town, having casual jobs. So it was, um, uh, that's the great thing about travel. You see how different places have a different approach to life and how to do it. So we can always learn. But this is a wildlife-focused podcast, um, so I am putting little small snippets of interest here. I do want to briefly tell you about the Sacred Monkey Forest Sanctuary in Ubud. There are about 700 Balinese long-tailed monkeys there, or macaques they're called. There are many different groups within this large number of monkeys, and they are fascinating to watch. What was cool about this sanctuary is that they really make it public that their mission in conserving the area is based on the concept of what they call tree hitter karana. 
It's a philosophy in Hinduism which means three ways to reach spiritual and physical well-being. And they explain that the three ways are through harmonious relationships. The three ways are between humans and humans, humans and the environment, which includes animals, and thirdly, between humans and the Supreme God. So there are many rituals based around this concept, and I really respect how they very much respect the human-animal bond, and that sanctuary is all in recognition of that, and it celebrates it. So it's very cool. But keep your food locked away. Uh, I saw firsthand that monkeys mean business if they see you with any source of food. Um, young guy just was getting something out of his bag and had a potato chip bag stuffed in it and they just heard the slight crinkle and bam, they got it. It was amazing. He was a little bit, uh, shook up, but, um, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit of a laugh, but yeah, it could have been serious. These guys do have teeth and they're very strong, um, small, but very powerful. So to get back to Australia, uh, but to be honest, circumnavigating Australia, I feel like I've been complete about it because everyone goes to Bali. It's pretty much the neighbor. I've never been. So uh, it almost feels like somewhat of an extension of Australia culture to go out there. But I returned to Perth and I joined up with my family for the Christmas New Year period, which was wonderful. My mum and dad came out from Bermuda and my brother Oliver, who's been in Australia for a year working visa, also did too. Uh, we did Sydney to Perth, as you would know from season one. So we all met up and we went down to Fremantle from Perth. And this is a port city, part of the metropolitan Perth area. And Fremantle, or Frio, as it's called, is known for its marine history. The architecture shows remnants from this and uh, also its British penal colony time. So it's an interesting place. I also had been saving up a visit, which we all did together to Rottnest Island. And this is a paradise island off of Frio. It is picturesque. Um, it's a nature reserve with white sandy beaches, secluded little coves and dazzling blue waters. Really amazing. And this is where you can find the largest population of quokkas. And quokkas are these little critters which are adorable. It's a small wallaby about the size of a domestic cat. They have a stocky build, well-developed hind legs and rounded ears. So check out the Instagram at Chloe to see a photo of me with one. I just was fascinated by by them, loved watching them. And we all then rented a car, an extra car, and we went in convoy with Layla, who was now all patched up from that pinnacle incident. <laughs> um, and we had an epic family road trip down into the Margaret River area. So Margaret River is a region as well as a town. And the Margaret River region starts about three hours south of Perth from the town of Bustleton, and it goes down to the town of Augusta, which is the most southwesterly point in Australia. It has world-class uh, natural beauty, and what you can find there is ancient green carry tree forests, the big, big wide ocean with phenomenal open beaches and famous for surfing, and even caves are added to the mix. It has a Mediterranean climate, so it also boasts amazing wineries 
and that's just the icing on the cake. So nature lovers definitely resonate with this slice of paradise um, on the planet, the Margaret River region, um, and we enjoyed all of it. Uh, the beaches, the forests, the caves, the wineries. So that's what we got up to there. Special mention to Mammoth Cave. Here, fossils show evidence of giant marsupial herbivores like the Zygomaturus that once roamed Australia during the Ice Age about two and a half million to 12,000 years ago was the Ice Age. Uh, they are estimated to have stood one and a half meters tall and two and a half meters long and to have weighed 500 kilos. Whoa. So the Zygomaturus became extinct about 45,000 years ago and they are thought to be similar to the modern pygmy hippopotamus. So can you imagine that? Just phenomenal. And in these caves, they had ex exhibits where you could see uh, the teeth and bone structures and fossils of these creatures that once roamed the earth. It just seems, you know, out of a sci-fi film, really. Interestingly, 45,000 years ago when they became extinct also coincides when man would have entered Australia. Actually, they say about 60,000 years ago, man entered Australia, but perhaps down into this area around 45,000 years ago. So that is a cool, uh, not really a coincidence. It's just like interesting to note um, that the time of man is the disappearance of these big marsupials. There must be a connection there. Um, so turning that bottom left-hand corner of Oz is Cape Lewin, and this is where the Indian Ocean and Southern Ocean meet, which is a pretty cool concept. And the Cape is one of the three great capes of the world, and this is alongside Africa's Cape of Good Hope and South America's Cape Horn. And throughout this time, we always felt what is called the doctor each afternoon. And interestingly, the doctor is what they also refer to it as well in South Africa, which is when in the summer months, there is a consistent cooling afternoon sea breeze when the land warms up. So that's called the doctor. It comes in in the afternoon when everyone needs it. So we then headed out of the Margaret River region and we are making tracks to Albany. On the way, we went to the Gloucester Tree in Pemberton, and the Gloucester Tree is worth a visit for sure if you're in the area. It is a tree which has a 43-meter ascent up to a lookout platform via a spiraling metal uh, series of stakes. And uh, yeah, it, it makes you nervous, um, actually. There's just a very um, flimsy sort of metal cage encasing it, but you can easily slip beneath. Um, Got to have good grip. and these fire lookout trees were spread across the southwest forests of WA before the introduction of spotter planes um, because they were fire lookout trees. And the Gloucester tree is a famous carry tree um, in the Gloucester National Park, and it's the world's second tallest fire lookout tree. And the view at the top was incredible. Some of these carry trees can reach 90 meters, so pretty incredible. Continuing on to Albany is the Valley of the Giants by Walpole. This is the suspended treetop walk and it shows what Gondwana land would have looked like. The supercontinent that broke up 180 million years ago into Africa, South America, Antarctica, India and Australia. So the ancient tingle tree forests date from when the land was still attached to Gondwana land. 
and experiencing the sights, smells, and sounds of the Valley of the Giants was magnificent. This is an iconic region of the south coast of WA. The tingle trees can grow to 70 meters and be 400 years old. So definitely worth a visit. Cracking onwards, um, we actually do these in sort of day trips um, coming and going from the Margaret River region um, and Albany. But on the way to Albany still, we went to Denmark and green pools and elephant rocks is definitely also worth a visit. And also, basically, these are um, sort of secluded coves and lagoons, beautiful clear water and elephant rocks is named because the big rocks, big boulders in the cove look like, I guess, big elephants. Um, quite phenomenal. And side note, um, if you go, go to the local bakery. It has hands down the best pies and strawberry tarts ever. I just inhaled them, but, you know, um, slowly with, yeah, it was just an amazing, amazing pie and strawberry tart. And strawberry tarts is my favorite dessert. So um, that was Denmark. On to Albany. So Albany, it is magnificent for its coastline. It is just very well situated. Um, check it out on the map. The wind farm of Albany is worth focusing on here and also to give it a big bravo because um, it's doing a lot of good. As, as I mentioned at the start, um, for all these things I'm seeing, um, it is on my Instagram at Chloe, so you can uh, see what I'm talking about. And I actually have a video of the Albany wind farm. And you'll see that there are 18 elegant turbines that supply Albany, a town of 35,000 people with 80% of its energy needs. So, whoa, that is quite an accomplishment. And therefore, millions of tons of greenhouse gas emissions are avoided being released into our precious atmosphere by this commitment and this ingenuity. So I don't think it's an eyesore at all. You look at it and you're just so grateful that it's up there in the clean air and it's contributing to the clean air. And it's the perfect site for it because on average, there are only seven days per year in Albany when there is not enough wind to turn the turbines. At top speed, the blades appear to be moving very slowly, one revolution every three seconds. However, the ends of the blades are traveling 290 k's an hour. Albany for some history is the oldest colonial settlement in Western Australia, but only predating Perth and Fremantle by over two years. It had an important role in the Anzac legend, being the last port of coal that troop ships departed Australia in the First World War. So that's some historical interest for Albany. But we then got back into the long drives and we traveled to Esperance, 480 kilometers away. The main draw card for seeing Esperance was that it has the whitest sand beaches in Australia and it has kangaroos on the beach. So it's a really Australian experience. Lucky Bay is where you can visit the friendly roos on the beach and it was magic. Sadly, though, I was excited to see the pink lakes of Esperance as well. And in my opinion, it is a bit of a tourist scam as they still promote it, although now they are the white pink lakes. The pics, um, they show in their magazines and things and online look surreal of these 
lagoons of bright pink water. But around uh, 10 years ago, with the change of waterways, perhaps, um, perhaps with the buildings and uh, roads and the runoff from the roads, the salinity in the water has changed and the pink salt loving algae can no longer grow. So that was disappointing. But hey, uh, Esperance is one of my favorite uh, destinations of the whole trip. We did a two hour backtrack and another two hour drive northwest to reach the small town of Haydn, which was uh, which is where Wave Rock is. And it was worth the extra effort to reach as people had been mentioning this to me along the way. Wave Rock is a natural granite rock formation measuring 15 meters high and 110 meters long. And it has striations of color which accentuate that wave look and it is incredible. So I then cracked on solo onwards to Port Lincoln. It was sad to say goodbye to the family as they continued back to Perth, but I am so grateful for the solid month that we had together and sharing so many wonderful memories. So back to me and Layla, and I had four big days of driving with her, totaling about 2,200 Ks. That is one long work commute. (laughs) The longest day being 710 kilometers. So part of this journey to get to Port Lincoln includes Australia's longest straight road of 150 k's or 90 miles. And this is from Baladonia to Chaguna. And I drove across what is called the Nalabor or Nalabor Plain. It's the air highway from Norseman and it is somewhat set back from the coast. Nalabor in Latin means no trees. Uh, Nalabor. The area is a flat, almost treeless. There are some shrubs, arid or semi-arid country with the great Victoria Desert to its north. It is a barren landscape and it is a quintessential Aussie road trip experience. You almost feel like you're on another planet. You feel very, very small and insignificant. I did not see any, but there are apparently over a hundred thousand wild camels roaming the plain. These camels were imported from British India and Afghanistan to use as transport while building the railroads during the 19th century. The railroad workers thought they would eventually die off, but they have flourished in Australia's deserts. Australia is the only country in the world with herds of feral camels. Other creatures that call the Nalabor home include wombats, emus, and kangaroos. There are small turnoffs to go and see the ocean when you're doing the Nalabor. And the ocean, it is known as the Southern Ocean until you cross over into South Australia. And then that big open bay, which you'll see on the map, is the Great Australian Bight. You might have heard of the Bight. It is Uh, a very dramatic um, place with high ancient limestone cliffs made of old compressed skeletons of marine organisms down to the blue, blue water. And the bite is an amazing bit of environment full of marine life. It is a marine park that you have probably heard of in the news as it has come under threat. So we need to make sure we keep our ears up for awareness to make sure it stays protected. So it was pretty exciting crossing over the South Australia border. It always is. It's always a big, big checkpoint. I've been in WA for a long time now. So um, 
does feel like um, a new chapter being down here in South Australia. So the bite, it became a marine park in 1995 to protect the southern right whale. Their feeding grounds are the plankton-rich waters of the sub-Antarctic. But in the winter, when it gets colder, they cross thousands of kilometers of open water to the bite to come and mate, give birth, raise their young in sheltered waters before departing for the Southern Ocean again, beginning of summer. Sadly, it was not the time to be seeing the whales, which is generally June to October while I pass through. The head of the bite, the most northern extent of the Great Australian Bite, is where during the right season you see a lot of whale activity. And I went there. And in June, July, you may see these 60 ton mammals mating. You're meant to look out for groups of rolling um, around whales on the surface. The female's gestation is 12 months. So the following year from mating, they give birth and they give birth once every three years to a five meter long calf. By late August, you apparently can commonly see the mothers swimming along the cliffs with their young calves at their side. And perhaps I'll be back to witness this. At this time, there can be maybe 70 or more whales visible from the viewing platform at the head of bite. And a newborn calf may weigh up to a ton, but they lack the layers of blubber essential to their stability and strength in the water. So for the first few months, they need to stay near mum and just fatten up. In October, they then migrate south to their feeding grounds. Things are looking promising for the whales. It is so, so tragic that between the years of 1820 and 1850 alone, over 26,000 southern right whales were killed in the waters uh, off of Australia and New Zealand. And the seasonal return of the southern right whales, about 700 to 800 to the coastal waters of Australia, is a welcome sight and a reassuring sign that the environmental conditions for these marine mammals is favouring their slow recovery. The Bight Marine Park now covers over 2 million hectares and protects many species and habitats. This region is one of the most biologically diverse areas in the world. Animals include invertebrates called biozones, also sponges, sea squirts, sea stars, urchins, mollusks, crustaceans, many, many fish, sea lions, sea turtles and dolphins. The value of this area is also evident by the recorded observation of transient seabirds and marine mammals such as the New Zealand fur seal, killer whales, minke whales, sperm whales and blue whales. The reasoning for there being such marine biodiversity in this area is because of the movement of different ocean currents. The Lewin Current carries tropical waters from the north along the west coast of WA, around Cape Lewin and across the Great Australian Bight in autumn and winter. This current brings warm, low salinity water that then reverses, returning westward in spring and making the water area more temperate again. The presence of such a range of currents drifting and blending through the bite combined with the geological features of the continental shelf has provided the conditions to sustain a uniquely diverse range of marine life. So by the end of my fourth day of driving, I made it to Port Lincoln, 
which is actually my 50th stopover destination. You know, obviously I've stayed more than just one night at these different places where I've actually overnighted, but it is my 50th stopover destination since I left Sydney, which was end of July. And here on the Air Peninsula, it is the seafood capital of Australia. So lots of marinas and fishing boats. And I've been locuming at the Lincoln Veterinary Centre and have been very much enjoying it. Um, great people to work with. And I've been having a blast. So what you do here on a casual day off in Port Lincoln is go shark cage diving. This is one of the places on the planet I have been told to see the biggest great white sharks in the world. On the day I went out, sadly, no great white sharks came to play, but that is the beauty and reality. Um, also disappointing, but it's the reality of wildlife watching. There is no guarantee. I really, to be honest, had to psych myself up to sign up for the tour because I did not want any surf phobias to happen. And... At the same time, I really do want to experience these amazing creatures. So I did sign up. Um, I did put on my brave boots, but um, they weren't there to see. But we did swim with the Australian sea lions earlier in the day. I had to confirm that there were no swimming sharks at the same time. Well, it was a different area. Uh, but it was a wonderful experience. Um, so just in with mask, snorkel, fins. The endangered Australian sea lions are absolutely amazing. They were so friendly and playful. They would twist and turn with such ease. Check out the video on the Instagram uh, at Bet Chloe to see them in action. And it really is amazing how a wild animal is so excited and joyful to play around humans. I really can't think of many other animals quite like them that do that. So, you know, that wraps up this welcome back episode for season two of Vet Chloe on the Road. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a few things. I am very grateful for this beautiful country of Australia I call home and for these travels. If in Oz, I hope you are enjoying the Australia Day and getting out there in the glorious beauty of the great outdoors. As always, you can check out the show notes. Just simply scroll up in the podcast app or on my website, betchloe.com. There on my website, you can see all 15 of the first season's episodes uh, while I update the podcast app, which currently is only showing the last 10. So I will get this fixed, but it's all on the website if you wish to track back. And if you like this show, I'll be most grateful if you could tell a friend, subscribe or rate and review on iTunes. It all helps. Each episode for season two will come out as it has in the past every Wednesday or hump day morning. So hopefully something to look forward to. Next episode, stay tuned as we remain in Great White Shark Territory here in Port Lincoln as I interview Andrew Wright, the captain of the shark cage diving experience, who knows a thing or two about them. Check out his Instagram at Calypso Star Charters to get more of a feel of what it would be like to meet these great and precious animals of the ocean. Till next time, stay kind and I'll see you at the next stop.